welcome to Tapeheads. I'm Sean. And I'm Lindsay. Tapeheads, of course, is the podcast where we select a movie from either Lindsay's VHS collection or my VHS collection. We watch it, and then we talk about it. Lindsay, what did we watch today? We watched Commando, a 20th Century Fox selection. This strange series of movies <laughs> that Fox came out with, I guess in like the late 90s. Mm-hmm. It was this whole campaign where they would select all these crazy disparate movies from the Fox catalog, like Commando, Big, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, movies that have nothing in common other than they happen to be from Fox. What I like about the Fox selection series is that they don't claim to be classics. I think they were very pointed in saying selections, because it could just be anything. Well, Point Break was also a Fox selection, and there's no doubt that that's a classic. Is Commando a classic, Sean? Uh, in certain circles, I think it is. Maybe your circles. <laughs> so, yeah. So what is Commando? <laughs> it is a 1985 action thriller starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, hot off the success of The Terminator. And oiled up. Yeah, he's oiled up. <laughs> he's ready to go. Um, We'll just jump into this. So, like we said, this is a 20th Century Fox selection. And that is the only pre-film advertisement we get. We get we get the whole sales pitch on mm-hmm. these selections. Yeah, like big. A lot of Tom Hanks movies were there. A at, lot of Tom Hanks at movies. At least three, I think. And they stress that these selections are here for a limited time, mm-hmm. under $10. Yeah, one of the things I was kind of surprised by was that they were advertising, whoa, under $10, and I kind of realized, I completely forgot how much VHS tapes cost, because for the 90s, $10 seems like a lot for a movie. Well, you know, I think when tapes first came out, they were like 20 bucks, but as the technology became more readily available, and as DVD was starting to come onto the scene... Yeah, that's true. I think that's when they started to become cheap. I remember how expensive... DVDs were and DVD players were when I was a kid. My brother was just like, we gotta get a new one. The video quality is so much better than VHS. And my mom and I were like, no, VHS is totally fine. And then we finally watched DVD and we're completely blown away. Our 21st century eyes are so spoiled by HD images and Mm -hmm. 4K And going back, we were watching Raiders of the Lost Ark on VHS, and you pointed out that the side of the frame would just kind of jitter, because (laughs) it was a tape from, like, the... From, like, 1989, and it, it just has not held up. It's just been no. overly loved. The danger with DVD was always, like, my family would sometimes rent DVDs from the library, the local library, and people treated them really badly. So you'd get a DVD, you'd be toward the climax of the movie, and then suddenly it would cut out because oh, yeah. somebody had scratched it. So I don't know. DVD has its downsides, too. Yeah, in some way, even though VHS overall is inferior, at least you know you'll make it through to the end of the tape, pretty much. Probably. Probably. I think that there's a better chance you'll be able to see a film in its entirety, uninterrupted, if you watch it on tape. I would like to connect Commando to Surf Ninjas with the garbage truck. There are a lot of murderers that like to use garbage trucks in the 80s and 90s, apparently. Oh, that's true. There was like a 
hip-hop dancing garbage men who, like, <laughs> opened the doors to a garbage truck full of ninjas during Surf Ninjas. Yeah. You just can't trust those 80s garbage men at all. God, no. God, no. So, Commando is basically the story of Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, Colonel John Matrix, has retired, <laughs> he's living in the woods with his daughter, played by Alyssa Milano, perpetually in overalls. He's a young retiree, too. What is he, like 20-something, 30? He, he's a young retiree. He looks great. <laughs> he looks amazing. He's very oiled up and tan. He's got this kind of uh, really nice, sophisticated mullet thing going on. Like, it's not fully committed to the mullet, but you know it's there. <laughs> the wife slash mother is out of the picture, but that's never really addressed. His daughter is kidnapped, and if he doesn't kill the president of Valverde, a fictitious South American country, she'll be killed. Anyway, he finds out that one of his former men, Bennett, who we had previously seen blow up in a boat... He had, in fact, faked his death for no reason in the grand scheme of things, but he'd faked his death, and he's getting revenge on him for uh, for unclear reasons. Yeah, it's really not clear, but he's very angry, and he's very Australian. He's very Australian. So, anyway, this mercenary team of misfits has cooked up this plan that they're going to put Matrix on this plane to Valverde, and he's going to kill the president there, because I guess Matrix has really strong ties with him. Or just Matrix cannot be stopped. Yeah, I mean, The only way they can control him is with the little girl that he's shown he's completely devoted to. This plan, uh, to put him on a plane Uh backfires for the bad guys immeasurably. They they put two of their top guys on the case. Uh Uh, One of them is a really tall guy who's gonna come on the plane with him and and see it through. The other guy is Sully, who's played by David Patrick Kelly. He's this little pocket-sized guy who's kind of a <laughs> big creeper. He's he's gross. He's really gross and slimy, but he's kind of one of the most interesting characters in the movie just because he decided to play it that way. I also kind of feel like his character was supposed to balance Arnold because Arnold is so violent in this movie. Like, he's beating on mall cops and, like kidnapping a woman and it kind of felt like that slimy character was supposed to serve as a contrast to remind you yeah arnold's the good guy yeah you do lose sight of that with some of his actions (laughs) later on in the film so anyway arnold does get on the plane he almost immediately breaks the neck of the guy who is his supposed to be his chaperone he finds a way to get down to the luggage compartment get out of the moving plane and leap down into this conveniently placed marsh Mm -hmm. as it's lifting off. And he figures he's got 11 hours, because that's how long it's going to take for that plane to get to Valverde. And because it's an 80s movie, and digital watches are still kind of a big (laughs) deal, there's this huge close-up of his watch. And whenever the camera is on his actual stopwatch, you can hear it go, bleep, bleep, bleep. Which would be so annoying if it was actually making that sound when it wasn't in close-up. So, he has 11 hours to track her down and save her. And he teams up with a spunky flight attendant named Cindy. With her help, he's able to track down these mercenaries basically one by one. 
And the pattern is basically he kills each of them and finds this inscrutable piece of evidence <laughs> that will lead to the next mercenary that he's then able to kill. And this evidence is just nothing. Like, for example, one of them, he finds a receipt. Or actually, sorry, uh, what's her name? Cindy. Cindy finds a receipt in this car of a guy he killed, and then they figure out, okay, this is a gas depot that's only used by... Wait, I'm forgetting. It's only used by people who fly privately, not commercially. And then somehow they're like, oh, there are warehouses there. And then the next scene, they just appear at the exact right warehouse to find the bad guys. And together they track down these mercenaries one by one, kill them, get, a little, get little bits of information that leads them to an island near Santa Barbara, of all places, <laughs> where one of the most massive and bloody shootouts in 80s American action cinema is unleashed, and it is amazing. I love how convenient everything in, is in this film. Like, Cindy is a flight attendant, but she happens to be going through pilot school. <laughs> so she knows everything about planes. She knows where, like, private plane flyers versus commercial plane uh, businesses will get their gas. She even ends up flying them to the island for that final battle. Yeah, it, it's it's this ancient seaplane. She says, this isn't a plane, this is a canoe with wings. Yet she's still <laughs> able to sufficiently fly it. She's able to look at flight plans and maps, and like a modern-day Magellan, yeah. she is able to plot out exactly where the island is. That Well, that was Arnold. That, oh, yeah. That well, was that, Arnold. Was sort of a team-up. I, yeah. I like how they gave her skills. She had, like, specialized skills, but they weren't enough. Like, she panics while they're in the flying canoe, and Arnold has to save them and make the plane fly properly, even though he... We have no idea. He probably has not been to flight school. You know, on the one hand, his daughter would have been killed had he not <laughs> randomly ran into this woman with expert knowledge of flight plans, and all this really uh, esoteric knowledge about flying. Yet, on the other hand, it feels like they constantly are hijacking all her moments. Like, oh, Arnold could have probably done this on his own. Yeah, I she's an odd addition to it. Like, I like her, but at the same time, I just still am not quite sure why she was there. Except to be Alyssa Milano's new mother. I, I liked later on... When Arnold is taken in by the police for blatantly robbing the hell out of this... What is it? What is it? It's like it's some like kind a, of it's depot. A, it's an army surplus store. Yeah. And it's a great shopping scene. It's kind of like how, you know, Pretty Woman had its shopping scene. <laughs> this is like a man's... A crazy right-wing man's shopping spree scene. Because <laughs> he just gets a whole shitload of guns and, like, scuba gear. Oh, God. But, yeah, he steals all this stuff the police show up and they throw him in the back of a truck and they're driving away with him and cindy decides the best idea is for her to pick up the rocket launcher that she doesn't know how to use because she's never used one in her life she fires it backwards and then fires it towards the truck that arnold is in and i just kept thinking did she she was risking killing him so then his daughter really would have died. Like, I did not understand where she thought that was a good idea, but it was exciting to watch. At this point, she just figures he's indestructible, so a direct rocket to his <laughs> truck probably would 
He'd be engulfed in flames, but he'd be fine. That's probably what she's thinking. This is true. He is indestructible. Now, my relationship with this specific VHS copy of Commando, I have to admit, the 20th Century Fox selections pitch worked on me. Oh, God. Because... I probably wouldn't have bought this movie, because to be in all honesty, it is kind of middle-of-the-road Arnold Schwarzenegger, as entertaining as it is. That enticing price point of under $10 really sucked me in at Target in the late 90s. In the late 90s. So how old were you, do you think, when you bought Um, this? I would say I was in elementary school. (laughs) My parents had a pretty laissez-faire attitude towards what movies I could watch, which explains a lot about me to this day, especially my dad. Mm. My dad would let me watch pretty much anything. But um, I I was actually expecting to like this movie a lot less than I ended up liking it. You know, it's very stupid, but very fun. And it looks great. Like, this movie is a very... At least in my opinion, you can chime in on this, but I think it's a, like a beautiful looking movie. Even yeah, even on VHS, like it really pops. It's really well shot, even in pan and scan. Mm-hmm. And it's I feel like it's a standard that modern day action movies like Expendables and all these things that are trying to ape this genre don't really live up to. Yeah, no, I mean, before we watched this, you told me you thought it was maybe too simple for a podcast episode, but it's actually, there's a lot going on in it, like visually (laughs) with the music, there's kind of like a sort of kung fu movie flair to some of the music, which is a little odd. I mean, Arnold himself, the level of objectification of his body and just like his whole role is just really interesting. And then the violence. And of course, you know, all the foreigners. All the all the evil foreigners trying to kill his daughter. Yeah, it's incredibly violent. Um, and that's something that I always remember about it. I always almost think of, like, this as being two movies where the first movie is, like, the investigation and the search for the daughter. And the <laughs> second movie is that assault on the island. Because when I think of Commando, I think of this super bloody squib-filled assault on this island, which is actually in America, which is kind of crazy to think about. And it it reaches a high point when he's in a garden shed. Yeah, I was going to say, that was, the, that was the thing that stood out for me in that whole thing was, it wasn't, it was violent, but it was kind of like a regular action movie violent. And then when he takes the garden shears and like all the garden tools to go chop everyone up and there's blood everywhere it kind of hits a new level yeah i mean it's it's a simple movie plot wise you know that arnold schwarzenegger excuse me john matrix and cindy collect these little clues it leads them to this island where the daughter is being held and he has a big showdown with both the dictator and his former compatriot bennett and yeah, you know, let's talk about Bennett a little bit too. Oh, what were your God. thoughts of him as the main villain? I mean, his his chainmail sweater, it was actually like a wool sweater that was gray. Visually against Arnold, he just really pales in comparison. He doesn't seem very threatening even with his really strong Australian accent. And he's just kind John! of... He's got, like, a beer belly, too. Like, it's just... You're watching this, and you're like, of course Arnold's gonna 
win. I kind of felt like I did during Surf Ninjas where you don't really feel afraid for Arnold or his daughter because you're looking at all the bad guys and they're really not that bad. Totally outmatched. And during the climactic knife fight, I like how Bennett is like, you're getting old, John. You're getting old. And he's like heaving because this fight is really taking it out of him. He's really out of shape. Interestingly... He was a last-minute replacement for the actor that was originally supposed to play Bennett. Wait, who was supposed to play him originally? Um, that information I could not find out, but the director huh. apparently had a disagreement with the actor originally placed, Oops. which is why the wardrobe doesn't quite fit him, because that uh, <laughs> oh, chainmail sweater does no favors to his body. Oh no, it just makes the punch. It, it makes that punch. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. I can't believe we didn't do the Arnold impression for I'll be back, Bennett. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a whole part that I skipped over is for some reason, this is 1985. It's the year after the first Terminator. I guess they thought that audiences wanted to hear all of his lines from the Terminator in another movie as a different character. Not only does he say, I'll be back, Bennett. But he also says, wrong, which is what he says to the gun shop owner before blowing him away in the Terminator. But um, another interesting thing about this movie, and it's a little bit of party trivia if Commando ever comes up at one of your social functions. Obviously, this movie was a pretty tidy financial success, and so obviously a, a sequel was written, and it was based on the book Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. And Arnold Schwarzenegger actually turned down the opportunity to reprise the role of Colonel John Matrix. (laughs) And so the task was presented of rewriting this script, which is originally Commando 2. It was rewritten for Bruce Willis. And that script ended up being Die Hard. This would be such a different world. Imagine a world where Die Hard... I'm going to go on record as saying that's my favorite action movie of all time. It is actually probably mine, too. Imagine if the greatest action movie of all time was replaced with Commando 2. Yeah. And that might... You know, Arnold saying no might have been one of the greatest things to come from this movie. I just cannot picture that film with Arnold from Commando. Like, I just... I just can't do it. I mean, it's funny because John Matrix is barely a character. I I enjoy this movie, but there's not really a whole lot to know about him, except that he's a badass. He can throw uh, phone booths over his head. and He really loves his daughter. He loves the shit out of his daughter. But um, that's pretty much it, as as opposed to John McClane, which is just such a charismatic and interesting character. Yeah, but I feel like Bruce Willis is a lot more charismatic. Let me ask you something, Lindsay. Did you find Arnold attractive in this movie? You know, I appreciate Arnold's beauty. He's not really my type. He's a little too burly. I don't really... I I don't know if I'm into a man that looks like he could just snap his fingers and my neck would break. (laughs) So, not really my type, but he was definitely pretty. He was definitely wearing some makeup, too. So, those uh, scenes of him carrying a log over his shoulder, did that do anything for you? No. No. That's too much. That was too much. If if What an introduction to his character though. It was pretty good. I liked it. I mean it was it was definitely just like let's show all the ways that Arnold is strong. I also liked that 
I don't know. I feel like um, Cindy was a little bit of a foil to just show this kind of contrast to Arnold's He-Man-ness. Yeah. Make him even more impressive. And she was just kind of like giving the audience response to what he was doing. She'd be like, oh my god, what, whoa, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, my two favorite scenes of the movie, uh, well, one of them we already talked about was their raid of Surplus City. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's a shopping scene, but for guns. But the other one is that hotel fight. Where she's just kind of, she's just kind of in the bleachers, you know, just kind of in the peanut gallery behind these like 70s beams going, these guys eat too much red meat. Yeah. She really is the audience embodied in that film. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's nice that they actually let her do things that are useful, which doesn't happen too often. Yeah, this plan would not have worked without her. Yeah. Well, now we've come to the part of the show where we must make the call... Do we buy it, rent it, or tape over it? Obviously, this is a movie from my VHS collection. When I was a kid, I said (laughs) buy it. And while I do have my reservations about the movie, I think it's a movie that I enjoy revisiting. I think it's action-packed. I think, especially compared to some of Schwarzenegger's, uh, shall we say, latter-day output, I think it holds up pretty well in hindsight, so I would say buy it. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say buy it. It was really fun to watch. Like, I really enjoyed seeing Arnold tear people and cars and (laughs) malls apart, but... For me, it's it's a rent it. It's definitely like watch it. It's really fun. Um, visually, it's really kind of fun because there's just a lot of fire everywhere. But it's <laughs> it's more of a rent it for me. I don't know if I'd watch it more than once. Fair enough. We might be falling into a pattern here where <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> the wondering... movies that you grew up with, you'd be more inclined to watch again and again. But yeah. I dig it. A buy it from me and a rent it from Lindsay. Yep. So, uh, Lindsay, that does it for my pick. Uh, We're going to be switching back over to your VHS collection for next week. What will we be covering? We're going... (laughs) I can't even say it. (laughs) We're going to be continuing with a string of children's movies, apparently chosen by me. The next will be Man of the House, starring Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> no, no, I no, I'm actually looking forward to it. I have a certain nostalgia when it comes to JTT with the Lion King and Tom and Huck and all that. I thought he was the cutest with his nineties hair. Of course you did. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that about does it for this episode. I'd like to thank Will Price for use of his song, Mandatory Groove. Uh, you can find more of Will's music at soundcloud.com slash gargantulon. So, Lindsay, uh, what can people do to support the show? Well, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, maybe write a nice review. Mm-hmm. Email at us. <laughs> Email. Email us at tapeheadspodcast at gmail.com. Or find us online at tapeheadspodcast.com. That does it for our back-to-back episode release, but after this we're going to release new episodes every other week. Um, We'll be back with, I guess, Man of the House. Uh, (laughs) Not to be confused with the Tommy Lee Jones Living with Cheerleaders Man of the House from the uh, mid-2000s. No, not at all. (laughs) So that about does it for this episode of Tapeheads. I've been Lindsay. I've been Sean. And until next time, 